the incomparable. Number 334, January 2017. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We uh, So Batman won a tournament that we ran here that was stupid, and uh, we honor <laughs> Batman by doing episodes about Batman, and we uh, we are doing one tonight. We are, we are embarking on a journey through films starring the Batman, and we're starting with uh, the, the Tim Burton-directed Batman films, 1989's Batman and 1992's Batman returns to discuss these films with me i have a fine panel of people who watch the movies and now we'll talk about it because that's what the show is we'll begin by introducing them shannon sutterth is here hi shannon welcome back hola freakies david j lore holy superhero spectacular batman <laughs> nope. nope monty ashley hello <laughs> i'm monty <laughs> uh chip sutterth i'm sorry i I I didn't prepare. I watched the Ben Affleck Daredevil and Tony Sindelar. Hello, nerds. <laughs> Emperor Batman is back. Batman belongs to all of us. We are all Batman. Mm, let's not get carried away. That's not how DC Comics sees it. I don't think so. <laughs> all right. So the, here's the story with Batman. They did the the Adam West Batman in the '60s. That was fun. Then the property kind of just lay there for a while. Uh, Superman. They started making Superman films in the late '70s. Those were successful, and they decided we should go back and do Batman again. And it took until 1989 when finally uh, Batman hit the big screen again, starring Michael Keaton as Bruce. Wayne and Batman, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, directed by Tim Burton. This uh, was, for those who did not live through it, I can just say it was a big deal. Like, this was my memory is that this was the first, like, market movie as marketing campaign that I remember. Like, literally, the Batman logo was omnipresent you could not everything had batman logos on it your milk had a batman logo on it everything had batman (laughs) logos it was it was for those who didn't live through it it was a huge uh marketing push this was my i want to say the end of my freshman year in college um and uh yeah so it was a big deal and i think it was a, a an extremely successful film as well with a different you know a different kind of take that was very influential it led to um like the the a lot of the themes of it get kind of replayed in Batman the animated series. Uh, it, it's got an interesting kind of Art Deco style. Uh, so anyway, let's start by discussing Tim Burton's Batman. Is everybody here? Uh, did you did you all see Batman when it came out, or uh, did you uh, watch it later? Yeah, I I saw it when it came out. Uh, but I went. I was a really big comics nerd at the time, so I also went through the pre movie pre-publicity oh my god this is gonna suck they cast michael, michael keaton. keaton i remember that <laughs> his chin isn't strong enough <laughs> so so the, it's it's remarkable that this movie was as successful as it was and i think a lot of it had to do with the overdrive marketing that warners did to try to convince people that no it wasn't going to suck you know i i was the one in my my group in high school because this came out right at the tail end of my senior year of high school I was the one who, when they announced the casting, was like, yeah, he's going to be great. And everyone else is like, no, no, come on, come on. It's Michael Keaton. He's Beetlejuice. He's Mr. Mom. And I'm like, eh, just you watch. And sure enough, he's, I mean, he's still my favorite movie, Batman. I saw it opening night 
in a theater that was completely full, and it was playing in two auditoriums in that multiplex. And I know that because there was something wrong with their print, and we had to sit there in that crowded theater for 30 minutes past the showtime until it finally started. And I still loved every second of it. Mm. My friends and I Mm. spent months doing Jack Nicholson's little card thing, where he moved the card around the deck. (laughs) Everything in the movie was cool to us. And it's it's one of the few that I ever saw twice in the theater in the same weekend. My college roommates and I, we were not cool people. We memorized the lyrics to Bat Dance. That's how (laughs) how consumed we were with this movie. And I married him anyway. Tony, uh, too young young or, or, or just old enough to see... Of Batman. I was definitely too young uh, for par- perhaps for both of these movies, but definitely for this one. Um, I, I think I was aware as I, I mean, I was a child. Uh, I was aware of the like the marketing push of it. Um, but I, I think the first time I saw it was, uh, you know, on a VHS tape. It's, it's good. You were drinking ago. your milk. It's good. It's yeah. Good. You got to so, drink your bat milk. Yeah. And, and speaking of bat milk, I should say the Batman cereal that came out in 89 was really good. <laughs> the Batman Returns cereal, not as good. Funny. <laughs> but we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. Did Tim Burton personally make both of those? So, <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Batman then. We'll, 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 we'll talk about 1989's Batman. Now, uh, I mentioned uh, the style here is, is fun. It is this weird art deco kind of style. We, we've seen this in a few movies. Uh, it's definitely... Uh, you know, the, I always think of Max Headroom as being a little bit like that, although that's a little more techie. Of course, the great Super Mario Brothers. Is, anyway, <laughs> um, but it but it is a uh, it's kind of a fun mix up of things that look old along with some things that look uh, look uh, modern. Anton First was the designer. I think it won the Oscar for art direction. It looks it looks really beautiful and from the very very start where we see the this stuff we see a, a family with a with a uh, parents and a and a young kid and it's very clearly playing on the yeah. origin of batman it's kind of a fake out mm-hmm. yeah it's a fake out because it's not it's actually in the present day and they're saved by batman but um but they they can't get a cab so they decide to cut through a uh dark dark da- alley <laughs> dangerous alley because they're dumb yeah and batman saves them when I first saw this movie, uh, it was a crowded house. There were loads of people there who were not comic book fans. They were there because of the marketing and all this stuff. That opening scene, when you see the – I think one of the descriptions of Gotham City is as, as, as though hell burst from the ground and kept on going. When you see that opening claustrophobic shot – shot there were people in the audience who were clearly not regular batman fans who just audibly gasped oh my god this is horrific hmm. you know <laughs> right right then and there that art direction is just uh, coming at you and it's not day glow 60s pop art that's for sure who are you i'm batman <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> oh, we we did that ad infinitum uh, that summer. Uh, <laughs> Everywhere it's just like, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. You're saying you stopped? Well, no, I, no, I did. It's just slowed down a little. Some bit. some people went and got day jobs and didn't do it anymore. But no, I, I remember going up to a drive-through. Um, I I, I want to say it was a McDonald's, but it could have been a Taco Bell. And and when they said, "Can I help you?" Taco everyone Bell. in the car went, "I'm Batman, man," and just drove off. <laughs> Yeah, he threatens uh, the one guy a lot, but he but he says no, no, no. I'll send. I'll, uh, you can send a message. My notes here are all about how this I think is very definitely trying to uh, reflect 
the uh, New York City of this period. This is a crumbling, yeah. sleazy uh, metropolis, mm-hmm. except Gotham City. It's not metropolis. Very, very, it's yeah. Gotham City. But it is <laughs> it, it, it is very much that 80s, sleazy, garbagey New York that we're seeing in, in Gotham. It's gross. It's the what, hipsters have not come yet. No. It's gross, but it's also got Art Deco and gargoyles everywhere. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's a cooler city that's gone decrepit. And Tommy guns. The police carry Tommy guns. I love mm-hmm. how uh, I, I I love how just anachronistic the whole thing is. And they're all in like weird leather jackets that, you know, are <laughs> You know, I think the word that comes to mind is discount fetish wear. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's just, that's that's how they do things in Gotham. Yeah, Tony, when you can't afford a leather cat suit, you know what you do? You just cut up some vinyl and sew it. But that's another movie. Yeah. Anyway. I learned a lot in these movies. So. <laughs> hey. So, uh, so we, we see uh, Billy D. Williams appears as Harvey Dent, although he doesn't have very much to do in this movie. He's just kind of present. Jack Nicholson. And Jerry Hall uh, have a have a scene together. Jack uh, Jack is is the henchman for the uh, the organized crime leader, and Jerry Hall is his is his girl. But they are stepping out uh, on the side here, um, and uh, we get some lines, including "Decent people shouldn't live here," which is good. This is Gotham City. Welcome to it. <laughs> and and what delightful casting is Jack Palance? Yes. You, who can be Jack Nicholson's boss? Yeah, you Jack need somebody Balance. bigger than Jack Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson is going to be playing this pretty big. <laughs> kind of big. Remember, Jack, you're my number, my number one. one guy. It's, yeah, Jack Palance is great as... Uh, Carl Grissom. 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 Right. And then there's and then there's Dirty Lieutenant Eckhart, who we meet, who is mm-hmm. um, one of my least favorite things about this movie, because he's just kind of a fat slob who is, like, dubbed in, I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell if what was going... I wasn't sure if somebody... If he was ADRing his own lines or if somebody else was covering them. But yeah, like, noticeably doesn't match up. The way he's dubbed, too, is strange. He's dubbed as if he's communicating, but the the, the voice is so soft and gravelly that it, there's no way that any any noise at that volume could have been understandable by any of the other characters in the scene. And I just don't... I, I, I never liked that character, and I never liked uh, the, the way he talked, but it was only watching it back this time that I realized he's just completely dubbed in, and I don't even know why. And it's kind of slightly gravelly, and anyway, he's the crooked cop, and, and uh, he's gross, and uh, his voice is super strange. And and it's Porkins. Yeah, yeah, Porkins. That's so bizarre to me. Well, the, the <laughs> but with a weird dubbed. Again, it might be him. It might be somebody else. But it's very, it's, it's very strange and quiet and mumbly. I don't know. I don't get it. Shoot to kill. <laughs> Someone else took up all the oxygen in the room before he got any lines. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> we meet uh, a couple other characters early on here too. We we meet Knox. <laughs> the the reporter played by TV's Robert Wool. Oh, I bless. love Knox because Robert Wool is playing him like he's the star of the movie. Yes, yes. but no one, yes. no one told yeah, him. I was going to say he's almost in a different movie. He's like in a wacky, uh, wacky journalism movie that is not the movie he's in. <laughs> it's it is very front page. And halfway through the movie, he just drops out. Like yeah. he's off following scoops or something. But <laughs> yeah. it's like the movie said. Oh wait. 
we've got Batman. Sorry, Robert. No, he's like, come with me, movie. Come with yeah. me. I'm going to do some stuff in the movie. He's like, nope. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Yeah. I remember him doing the late night chat show circuit around this time, and he was act- he was acting like it was his movie there, too. Yeah. It was yeah. hysterical. I remember on the comedy channel, uh, he would do one of the going to commercial bumpers, and it was mostly him complaining that he got a great contract that said he got a cut of the toy rights. But then he discovered he only got a cut of his toy rights, and there were not a lot of Plucky Reporter toys being yeah. sold. Hey, I had I had the Plucky Reporter's journalist notebook and and pen and and the snap brim hat. You gotta you gotta give a couple dollars to Robert Wool. That's okay. He's got Arliss money now. It's fine. <laughs> and we and we also meet Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale, who is introduced. So you know they're trying to do the. Some kind of a bantery thing between Robert Wool and uh, Kim Basinger, and I can't decide whether it's gross or whether <laughs> it's amusing because he's so bad at it. I tend to plump for the latter. Yeah, yeah. that that he's he's that bad at it. She's humoring him because she needs <laughs> yes, his she help. Is. Yeah, I, I think he's the only one who's got the banter going on. She's just humoring. Yeah. But she, she like it all. It all gets summed up later on when at one point, um, you know, he's like expressing concern or something, and she puts both her hands on his face and gives him a quick little kiss. You're, you're cute. You're, yeah, you're yeah, cute. That's true. <laughs> you can tell she's a serious reporter because she wears glasses sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can you can definitely tell that. But they they are again. It is it is kind of a fun fun tone, but it's a little bit weird because it's it is like from another movie about plucky reporters. But it's really just to get us into this other story that we're that we're going to get with with Batman, um, which is fine. I I actually made a note at this point too that at points Robert Wool's performance reminds me a little bit of like Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. It's that kind of yeah. eccentric. <laughs> and bizarre and there's that whole thing where where they're in bruce wayne's uh uh mansion and they're like wander into the the hall of weapons like the museum like, room this must be yeah. king of the wicker people and things like that where it's just this strange yeah. <laughs> look at this look at that mirror he must be bruce vane i'm like uh, again and again and again it's just it keeps going <laughs> yeah i genuinely enjoy yeah. him he's yeah. putting a lot of energy out in a role that he has to know isn't that important Good for him. I think he thinks it's that important. I'm sorry. <laughs> and God bless him for it. Bless him. No, yes. I enjoy and tried. I'm surprised how much of his dialogue I, I I know. I like know by heart the Robert Wool dialogue here because it's wacky and it gets you into the movie. And uh, yeah, and then he's discarded. But uh, he's kind of fun while he's around. He serves yeah. his function and uh, yeah. moves on. Yeah. He doesn't die. No, he doesn't. So, no, he gets a kiss on the cheek yeah. and set on his way, in fact, at the end. Yeah. That's that's a happy ending in Gotham. Well, um. it, it's not a pure <laughs> it's not a pure origin movie. It's sort of the first appearance of Batman, but we don't get the uh we we don't get the let's go to Nanda Parbat and have training sequences right. kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, Batman's a mystery and Knox is the character that is sort of investigating the mystery, and that that's our gateway in, and then the this everything shifts over to Michael Keaton and there's nothing for him to do and right good riddance good riddance Arlen. <laughs> so we get Arliss. we get in 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 around this part I'm not going to go point by point here but this is where we get to see Michael Keaton we get mm-hmm. to see um Michael Goff as as Alfred as well in some of these scenes in here 
Um, Michael Keaton. So we we talked about it. I I think I think this movie does a good job of of getting us uh, introduced to Bruce Wayne and uh, and I I think yeah you spend a few minutes with Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne and I feel like I buy into it. It's like oh I see I see why Michael Keaton's in this mm-hmm. movie because I think he does I think yeah. he does a good job. He's my favorite Bruce Wayne of any movie. Yes, I like I like his version of like weirdo eccentric. Uh, Bruce Wayne, yeah. because there's so many versions of Bruce Wayne as as the like the polished uh, millionaire playboy who is smooth talking, and this, I like this guy who's just like, nope, he's awkward and weird and spends a lot of time just sitting by himself, being brought yeah. sandwiches by Alfred and doesn't really know how to talk to people. Um, also, he's apparently not a celebrity in Gotham; not everybody knows what he looks like, um, and he's just this weird guy who throws kind of benefit party things at his house. Um, I, I like I like awkward Bruce Wayne. I do too. He seems to yeah. enjoy himself at the party, like when he sneaks behind the the yeah. two reporters and they're going through his museum. He's watching them and he's genuinely amused. I feel like this mm-hmm. is the only Bruce Wayne from the movies I would actually watch a movie about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and in, in retrospect, he he's you know I don't know how intentional it was, but it's it's almost like he's playing. Bruce Wayne somewhere on the spectrum, right? He's clearly a genius. He's, of course, the world's greatest detective. And, and of course, this is a movie where we get to see that for once. We get to know Bruce Wayne instead of just mm-hmm. Batman or just as a cover for Batman. And and I love that. And, I, you know, you get the impression that he could fake being cool and suave if he had to, but that this is a little bit more like himself, at, at least in this part of the movie. I was a mild comic book geek, Going high school, college, and you know, for this movie, the reason that I went was because they cast Michael Keaton, uh, an actor yes. that I really, really loved and was really invested in. And I was looking at the blowback of you know, oh, it can't be, and I'm like, yes, it can, <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> Trust me, um, anybody can be hiding under that suit, but you've got to have somebody with his kind of charm and wackiness and instability. I mean, that you're dealing yeah. with a young man who you know, who lost his parents and were killed in front of his eyes at a very young age. And his reaction to that is to go and train himself to the utmost to um, to do something about it and not just do something about it, but I'm going to dress up like a bat and scare these criminals. Um, you you need a Michael Keaton to pull <laughs> that character off. And because yeah. and that's not normal. No, exactly. It's not normal. <laughs> and and. To to the extent that uh, you know, a couple movies later, you brought they brought in this Val Kilmer guy to be Bruce Wayne, and he's a conventional hero compared to Michael Keaton, who is just nuts. He is. Let's <laughs> yeah. get nuts. You want to? You, know? you want to oh, get yeah. nuts? He's got that Beetlejuice scene where you see all that <laughs> manic energy. Right. I I feel like Keaton gets lost inside the bat suit, but that's not when you need the actor to do the best job you need him to do the best job as bruce wayne and yeah. keaton is mesmerizing bat- batman in the bat suit could almost be played by a stockman yeah right um it- it's the it's and the bruce wayne you've got a lot of really fine eye acting from keaton when he's in the suit <laughs> and and occasionally his yeah some of his his expressions come through the, yes the, the quirk of the mouth it says so much yeah you know yeah. Well, in fact, there is a recent Batman movie that also involves Superman. Hmm. Huh? What would they call that movie? <laughs> I think it's called Batman, comma, and also Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and to briefly reference that movie, I really liked Batman whenever it was just Ben Affleck not uh-huh, in the suit. See? 
As right. soon as he got into the right. suit, I can see that. he's a CGI monster or something, but there was cool acting as bruce wayne and i like that's the closest we're gonna get to a batman versus superman episode right there there it was um (laughs) 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 episode 493 contractual obligation fulfilled the the uh, teasers they've put out for the justice league movie i really like no 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 This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Blue Apron. I'm really excited to have them as a sponsor. I've been a Blue Apron customer for more than a year, and it's really been great for our family. Blue Apron brings food to your table. You get a box every week, and it's got great stuff inside. The seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. The beef is raised humanely. The chickens are free-range. The pork is raised naturally. It can be delivered to 99% of the continental U.S., and Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe, so they are reducing food waste. We have just enough to enjoy the meal, and that's about it. And cooking together can be great for families. This summer, uh, my wife made a point of cooking with our kids with the Blue Apron meals. They've got clear uh, recipes and instructions that you can follow. And that was a whole lot of fun. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Some of the meals available in January from Blue Apron, just to give you an idea of the kind of stuff that you can get in this box. Seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney. Spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and furikake. We have a huge folder full of Blue Apron recipes that we want to make again on a regular basis because we love them so much when they came from Blue Apron. It's really great. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping. What a deal. By going to blueapron.com slash Snell. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Blueapron.com slash Snell. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So I want to give some praise here. Since we, I mean, Keaton's great. My, uh, Michael Goff is great. I do love, I mean, Tony mentioned like oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Alfred brings him sandwiches, but it's like, it is this, this there's that great moment where, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's just us here in this old mansion and he, he encourages uh, Bruce and, and Vicky to get together at several points and brings her to him in the Batcave at the end of the movie. And is just, he's just so, so delightful um, the whole time, I, I think, I think, um, as, and there've been great Alfreds in movies, but I really love Michael Goff's performances as Alfred. He's just, just delightful and helpful and friendly and loving and, you know, and, and fatherly. fatherly. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, we're jumping kind of ahead. I, I love the scene where, uh, Vicky and Bruce have their kind of their date. Uh, and then Alfred kind of they it starts with the the scene yeah. where they're in the giant there's the joke Adam's joke shot where they're at the long ends of the table it's a classic mm-hmm. and then they go from that to like hanging out in the kitchen with, with Alfred, Alfred. Right? it's so yeah. nice yeah I like that a lot that's that's the because that's Bruce Wayne getting over himself or getting over his I think it's getting over his view of himself and like who he should be. And then just being like, are they, I like how you actually see him like pick up his plate and his wine glass and be like, come on, let's go. And then cut to they're in this much warmer kind of wood table, uh, light, light wood, and they're in like a kitchen or something with Alfred. It's great. Mm-hmm. And just before that, that great line when uh, Vicky says that, you know, I don't think this mansion is very much is it, it, like you at all. And Bruce says, some of it is very much me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 very there's some there's some 
This is not going to be considered a subtle movie by a no. long shot, but <laughs> there are but there are subtleties in Michael Keaton's performance. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. There's a lot of, a lot of nice stuff, a lot of nice stuff with Michael Keaton and Michael Michael Goff. Um the okay, so yeah, we should talk about uh, Jack Nicholson as Jack Napier, and he becomes he becomes the Joker. <laughs> non subtle half uh, of the movie. No, it's it's not. I mean, oh, Eckhart, mm-hmm. uh, Eckhart who I didn't like, uh, gets shot by Jack in, in a scene at the Axis Chemical Plant. Which I also just to to say again that I don't like that character. Before he gets shot, he's like acting like a zombie. He's just kind of moving very slowly and kind of going. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't understand that character. I don't even know why that character is there. <laughs> it's it's really bad. But but the Joker. So Jack Napier, um, who is revealed late in the movie in a coincidence that's probably unnecessary, is the person who shot uh, Bruce Wayne's parents. <laughs> yeah, I'll have words about that later. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll circle around to that. But but here he. Uh, he, you know, there's a shootout. He gets hit by a ricochet. Um, Batman tries to capture, catch him, but he drops into the chemicals and is is dead and will never see him again. Except, of course, he resurfaces uh, with the the uh, white face and is the is the Joker. So they got. My understanding is that they backed up a truck of money to Jack Nicholson's house. And they said, you can be in our movie. We'll pay you a lot of money. You can go to all the Laker games. We'll make sure that we schedule around you and we limit the amount of time you have to spend on this movie. But, you know, it was quite a coup to get the guy who was basically considered the best or one of the, what, two or three best actors on the planet to be in their little superhero movie. Well, he got a Golden Globe nomination. He out of even it. got top billing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and that Joker is a plum role, right? I mean, this is this is this is an this is an, a role that won an Oscar for somebody else too, right? It, it is a quite a role to bite to chew off uh, to bite uh, and chew. <laughs> I don't know to chew. There's a lot of chewing of scenery going on. Really, is what's <laughs> happening here. It's quite a role to yeah. do, and Jack Nicholson puts his all into it, and then some. Mm-hmm. And this early in the movie, he's also really, really good as Jack Napier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's that's mm-hmm. a, that's. A, the 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 menace the the unhingedness that's just sort of in the background waiting to be released after he takes a bath um you know he he he's a plausible gangster villain and uh then then he just he he just cuts loose he gets behind the makeup and he just what's what's that phrase you use a lot jason turns into the skid he just <laughs> commits to it Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just got to go with it, right? Uh, yes, he's he's uh, Jack Napier's uh, operated on uh, by a German doctor who has a very bad set of tools. It looks more <laughs> like something you'd get at Home Depot than you'd get at a medical yeah. supply store. Then he did a heck of a job. Because I think those tools are what you use to like punch holes <laughs> yeah. in leather. Yep. <laughs> but that was that was what Tim Burton was stocking up for mm-hmm. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. So it's bad, but that's bad news for Jack Palance. He's not going to make it because uh, because uh, Jack Napier has come back from the dead. He knows that he he was sent to the Axis Chemical Plant uh, as a setup because he was stepping out with uh, with his girl uh, Jerry Hall. So uh, sugar bumps, sugar bumps. Just putting it out there. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, so he kills uh, he ki- kills Jack Palance. I had to. Jack Nicholson to. told me to. He kills Jack Palance <laughs> and uh, says, "Wait till they get a load of me." But Interesting decision by Jack Nicholson and interesting decision by Tim Burton to leave it in. And I'd say this is representative of how far they let Nicholson go with this. He doesn't just say, wait till they get a load of me. He then goes, ooh, 
whoop, whoop, <laughs> <laughs> and they just leave it all in. Just letting you know for sure I'm insane. But it's it's not even that he's saying, wait till they get a load of me. It's, wait till they get a load of me. He, he follows it up with a sound and then another <laughs> weird sound and yes. then a maniacal laugh. And Tim Burton's like, yeah, we're just going to keep all that in. We'll just let it roll. There's a dance he does when he leaves one of the scenes that it's just like, it blows my mind that that's, 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 <laughs> that's in there. There's a few times where Nicholson is just goofing around at the end of the scene and they leave it in. There's the time he tells his really loyal henchman in a Bob. Jack Palance imitation. You, you are my number one man. guy. And then the guy leaves, and Nicholson's just standing there going, doo-dee-doo, <laughs> He's just goofing off, but the Joker could just be goofing off. Let's leave it in. It's great. Mm-hmm. He is not concerned about what, like, there's a lot where he's just in a room by himself, and it's like, nope, he's still going. He does not need an audience. But when he has an audience... Yeah, it goes it up goes to 11. even bigger. Yeah. Like, when they hit the museum, okay, here's what, yep. here's what we're doing, guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else in there? Uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce lies to Vicky Vale after they've spent the night together. Uh, he says he's got to go out of town, but Alfred uh, basically gives gives that away. Awkward. Bad butler. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, well, you, you're supposed to let your butler know that you've got a, a yeah, he should have gone with it, though, I suppose. I'm I, thinking that this Alfred was not a former spy. I think mm. Alfred in this is not used to Bruce Wayne as a, Womanizer. as a playboy, yeah. right, so much. So he doesn't have the moves down of like, oh, yes, we are going out of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's, as soon as Bruce has a girlfriend, the girlfriend gets brought down to the, to the bad cave. cave. <laughs> so Alfred can go. Well, so so uh, you you've got a girl now, huh? <laughs> There's no, they don't have any po- formal policies written up. It's it's a problem. Uh, oh, the Joker has a meeting of all the crime lords in yeah Gotham City. They have a little meeting, little table, gang of gangs. Yeah, I love his vanity that he's got the flesh colored makeup oh, plastered yeah. on top of his chalk white skin uh, on this one, and yeah. that looks even more creepy. That's one of my favorite yeah. things. Is that. His skin is naturally white with a smile, but sometimes he puts makeup on to have it look normal. And then later on in the movie, he tells Batman, I have taken off my makeup. Let's see if you can take <laughs> off yours. Mm-hmm. Except he hasn't taken off his makeup. He's put more makeup on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's not it's not that it's vanity. It's he's he 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 knows nobody knows what he looks like yet. And he but he also wants to freak them out. As the makeup starts to crack and mm-hmm. oh. peel away. The smile looks pretty freak-outable to me. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, yeah. a weird prosthetic. It is weird. He kills a, he kills a guy with a joy buzzer. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the you were my number one guy and all that. Bob, I enjoy Bob throughout this movie as his, <laughs> yes. his right-hand yeah. man. He is a little bit Larry, Daryl, and Daryl. <laughs> um, but he's quite enjoyable as just loyal sidekick guy who keeps saying things. His lines are all like, yes, sir. <laughs> That's it. That's all Bob does. I have watched him for years. I saw him on WKRP in the first season and went, Wow, that's a really weird guy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was also in a show called Best of the West from the makers of Taxi, which was a Western thing. And he played a henchman named Frog. And and that was delightful. <laughs> it's Tracy Walter is the name of the actor. I enjoyed when the Joker's gang shows up to point guns at all the uh, boss leaders uh, that they already have embroidered jackets with like patches of the Joker's face. It's like, that's how you know they're a good henchman group is that they've already like day one. We've got embroidered jackets ready to go. <laughs> like the movie, he's a marketing behemoth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, they got jackets. <laughs> the Joker's got all sorts of stuff. We'll, we'll see even more stuff that Joker's got ready to go, ready yeah. to deploy. He's he's crafty people in both senses of the word. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. just my type. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see what else. I mean, Jack Napier then attacks various gangsters. Bruce Wayne is is uh, stunned and shocked by this. Uh, Batman gets all the headlines, even though Napier has attacked all the gangsters. He's very upset uh, that we get this town needs an enema. That line happens here. In this in this area again, Jack Nicholson. What can you say? Just yeah, he's carrying the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, he carries the trailer, right? The, he is the whole. Both of these movies have a lot of press conferences in them, uh, like a lot yeah. of press conferences in them. A lot of on the steps of City Hall. The one that I find the weirdest is that there is the mafia press conference that the Joker and his mimes <laughs> show up and yeah. kill a bunch of people at. Uh, that one, yeah. that one confused me a little bit. But again, I did not live in Gotham in 1989. I, maybe that's just business as usual. But like, yeah. if I'm if I'm running the organized crime, I would hold less press conferences. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe none. Maybe none. Maybe none. I mean, just throwing that out there. <laughs> that's the one where nobody notices the extremely amateurish minds around the place, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, again, I guys. You guys are older than me. I'm just I'm assuming a lot about what 1989 was like. There weren't that many mimes, I'll but tell you. But were there that. more mimes? How many <laughs> What was the mime to press conference ratio is what I'm asking. About. Well, let me tell you about a couple named Shields and Yarnell. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they were a pair of mimes and they were huge. They had their own show. They did have yeah. their own show. In the 70s, yes they oh. did. Oh god. I'm suddenly feeling younger. Does anybody notice that there's a point at which Vicky Vale suddenly is way more interested in using her newspaper's resources to look up information about her boyfriend than to investigate Batman as she's supposed to be doing. She seems to have a lot of free range from her previous highly successful photojournalism run in that island that she just came back from. We haven't actually talked a whole lot about Vicky Vale. And I think there's a reason for that. (laughs) Uh, I have two notes about her, which are an amazing apartment. Yes. And in one scene, she has a Padawan braid. Yeah. Okay. Just one little braid on the side of her head going down over her shoulder. So she might be a Jedi by now. I remember being rather irritated at one point watching the movie at some point. It may not have been the first time, but a subsequent watching. Because when they introduce her, she's, you know, shown to be very capable, award-winning, globetrotting photojournalist um, looking for the the heavy, hard stories. Yeah. Um, And so it's Robert Wool's character, you know, somewhat... Understandably, you're going to chase Batman. It doesn't quite seem to fit. Um, and then about halfway through the movie or so, all of a sudden, there's apparently nothing left for Kim Basinger to do than scream or dangle from a ledge or a cord or something or faint. And it's like, yeah. come on. She, she was doing well. She could have contributed. The amount of her dialogue that is her screaming in reaction to something is like a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so I like the scene where she's on the rooftop and she immediately starts taking pictures of Batman mm-hmm. fighting in the alley, right? That's good news sense. Like, that that's the scene where I'm like, okay, she's doing her job. And, of course, right. Batman uses the old cape trick to steal the film out of her mm-hmm. uh, bra. But uh, <laughs> the yeah. old cape trick. The old cape trick, that. yeah. <laughs> Batman does that a lot. He's like, woo, there's a cape. And what happens then? Nobody knows it's under the cape. Ooh, it's a mystery. That's how Batman does all sorts of magic tricks. Anyway, so <laughs> that's good. But then you're right. Other than that, um, she's mostly a damsel. I do think that when she 
uh, when Alfred brings her into the Batcave toward the end, that that's a nice scene where she's being like supportive. I, mm-hmm. I I find her her support for Bruce nice, but again, that's being supportive and not you know. But right. but at the same time, she's kind of like breaking down his his shell. So there are moments in there, yeah. but whenever she's put in any sort of like part of the plot, uh, like the with with the Joker, the art museum is the most disappointing one because although she she gives uh, pushes back to him a little bit, you know, like when when she goes to comfort him when, because he got covered in water and he's melting like it's just dumb like why would you mm-hmm. do that and, and there's also lots of lots of the screaming lots of screaming yeah. mm-hmm. we're almost at the museum attack actually um but uh i wanted to mention a couple other things i enjoy uh the new tv news as we see it in this movie Um, the first off the outfit on the, the first anchor woman who dies is staggering. It, it looks like it's like a jacket with shoulder pads, but it looks literally looks like she's wearing a parka. It is so huge and padded. It is amazing. She's not the only one. Kim Basinger and Robert Wool. Yeah, there's a lot of shoulder pad action in this movie. Oh, well, it's again, Robert it's the 80s. in a talking head suit. Like he's nowhere near the outside of his clothes. <laughs> it is it is the 80s, but the, that one first anchor woman is the most extreme of all of them, but I really love the joke where they discover that the cosmetics are poisoned and they don't know exactly where the poison is, and then for the rest of the the movie, the TV anchors have no makeup on and they've been made to have blemishes and things all over their faces. That mm-hmm. kills me every their time. Their hair their hair looks awful so it doesn't need to be yeah. there yeah because they don't even no. have combs anymore it's just a joke yeah and, and it's mainly not? mainly so affects tv anchors vicky vale is doing fine oh yeah no, she's fine. well she imports all of her cosmetics gotcha. so she's yeah. okay thank you head, okay. head cannon okay. accepted uh and so we're off to the museum so um vicky alfred uh, gets a call saying she'll be 10 minutes late to the museum but to meet bruce but that is uh he's not meeting her there so that's a bad sign i think ba- this looks like a job for batman um, and what happens is they gas the Joker, the Joker attacks, um, they gas the museum and then immediately the Joker and, and, and the henchman after everybody drops, uh, Vicky's got a little mask that she's been given by a, uh, uh, in a, in a little package and told, put this on immediately. Everybody drops because of the gas. And then the Joker and his people walk in, which is interesting because you'd think there would still be gas, but they have no masks. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. And it's time for a dance party. Mm-hmm. And finally, Prince shows up. Is this a good time to talk about Prince's contribution? We, yes. we, this is Please the time, do, yes. because they, they play they play a song um, on the boombox as they go through <laughs> and uh, deface all the art, or sorry, sorry, improve the art, as the Joker <laughs> would tell us. And we play a Prince song as, as that goes on. There's another Prince song later during the parade. Prince was in quite a coup was commissioned to basically do an a batman themed album and those songs would be in the movie mm-hmm. and then and and then what happened was tim burton said i'm not really interested in that <laughs> <laughs> have you heard my boy elfman he's got a really good theme <laughs> yeah well danny elfman we could talk about that i think that i think this is one of my favorite movie scores of all time i love the danny elfman score but it is kind of amazing that they got an entire album by prince that a lot of people really love and it's it's some of it is played in the background in a couple of scenes but there's literally these two scenes where prince comes to the fore at all mm-hmm. and it's expressly part of the plot mm-hmm. right right that's that the only use that that Tim Burton has for Prince is like if they're playing music in the movie, we'll play a Prince song. But otherwise, 
forget it. Otherwise, it's just going to be score. Did they pick Prince just because he likes purple and the Joker likes purple? I don't all know. It? I think this was, again, just a marketing, uh, you know, the marketing behemoth kicking in. And he was he was like the biggest thing on Warner on, Music. On Warner Music, yeah. And they said, let's let's make the synergy happen. Yeah. And uh, he, he played Saturday Night Live. Uh, during the promotion for this stuff, and all I can remember is you know, he did Party Man and um, and Hoot and Trust, and he's performing those songs on the SNL stage with the giant Batman, Batman logo, logo, of course, mm-hmm. yep. flying behind them. Because you know, I don't know who is intended to be bigger at this point, Prince or Batman merchandising. <laughs> well, I think that was where Prince got his idea to change his name to a giant symbol. Mm, Could be. Unfortunately, Bat the Batman logo was uh, was taken, so he couldn't do that. (laughs) Batman Prince's Batman logo hit number one in the Billboard uh, album chart. It was it was a it was a big seller, even though you can barely hear it in the movie. I just I I wonder what a movie would be like. I I I feel like in a modern uh, a more modern movie would have gone all the way with like Prince wall to wall, and I'm not sure whether that would have been better or worse, but it would have been very different from what we get with uh, with these two the the two tracks being played, Trust and Party Man, and and the music. I mean, just Bat Dance was the the video for that was what like four or five minutes or even six minutes, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it was on every hour on MTV for mm-hmm. like three days. Leading I'm telling up to you, the, movie. the marketing for this movie it was brilliant. I own a lot of bad songs. Easily the worst song I own. And that, that means it's worse than all of Disco Evita. Oh. Is a cover of Bat Dance. A cover? We When I worked at a movie theater, we had a CD of a generic band's versions of various movie theme songs. <laughs> because they didn't want to pay for the full rights. And some poor jerk wow. had to record it and not use any of the samples. So they had to get a new actress into the oh my studio God. to go... Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. <laughs> that makes me feel like I wasted my time memorizing that song back in the day. <laughs> Vicky Vale. Not wasted. Oh, That's an investment chip. You can get that back shit. by creating your own cover version. You've invested in yourself every day <laughs> for, from now on. They couldn't even be bothered to play Bat Dance over the end credits. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, that, that's that's. I, I do think that it's a missed opportunity there. It's also just a sign of the left hand and the right hand not knowing mm-hmm. what each other was doing. That Like Tim Burton, well... So I have a, a lot of theories about this movie that maybe I'll, I'll get to before we get to Batman Returns. That, but there's definitely the conflict between the studio and the marketing and the giant machine. And Tim Burton, who likes to make weird, quirky, twee little movies, there was a lot of conflict creatively about this movie. And I think it's amazing mm-hmm. that, that it turns out as well as it does, given all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you had John Peters producing or executive producing, and he was kind of insane. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm sure Prince was his idea and, and going here, let's do this and let's do that. Let's do this. And, and I know that the ending, uh, was not Tim Burton's idea and it wasn't in the script. It was John Peters going, Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if they like climbed to the top of a cathedral and the whole thing took place up there? And why don't we kill Vicky Vale? And then Batman will get really angry. And it's like, okay. And, and he went ahead and had the thing constructed without, clearing it with anybody it was just like here this is going to be the end of the movie and yeah. and they actually and and like they asked tim burton it's like why are we climbing to the top of the thing because i don't know we'll figure it out when you get there mm. 
And they had to redo that. So that's that's kind of like the movie in a microcosm. There. The original screen screenwriter was a guy named Sam Hamm, um, and then a guy named Warren Scarin came in after it. So alliteration was absolutely important. Um, <laughs> well, rhyming, rhyming, but rhyming. rhyming. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and my understanding is the Sam Hamm script was fairly straight, and uh, you have mo- you have lines that survive uh, the 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 rewrite and Tim Burton's direction that get completely turned over like uh uh the the Joker soliloquy uh you might join me for a weep after the weird confrontation between Bruce Wayne and the Joker and Vicky and then he plays it for a laugh things like that there is so much dissonance in this movie between Tim Burton's sensibilities Mm -hmm. and the screenwriters. Is this a serious movie or is Tim Burton taking the piss out of uh, superheroes in general because he's Tim Burton? You're right. It's it's, it's amazing that this movie is as successful as it is because these parts don't fit. No, no, they really don't. And there are other parts, too, that 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 we'll get to too, because there's the the whole romantic comedy part that comes back again later. That's like a totally other <laughs> oh, movie that yeah. that also happens in here. It's like uh, when Harry met Sally. If Harry was Batman, anyway. <laughs> we'll, but uh, I'll I have talk, what she's so, having. So the museum. Uh, the museum scene I like because it is this manic Joker dancing around to Prince, and I think that's pretty good. There's some great dialogue in here. This is this is quality Joker antics, right? Like this is the this... one dollar bill. I like that. That's pretty good. Uh, I don't know if it's art, but I like it. <laughs> like he says at that painting, oh, the one dollar bill, and then a scene later he says what he wants is to have his face on the one dollar bill, and I like to think the Joker just thought of it because he just saw a painting. Yeah. I like the one where they, they go by the really weird painting and he's like, I, I, I don't touch this one. I kind of like it. <laughs> and they move on. It's a weird painting. They move on. It's good. And then and then I, I like how it all comes together where he tells Vicky Vale, um, I'm an artist. I make, art, I make art until someone dies. That's what I do. And it's like, all right, I get the Joker now. And exhibit A. I, Jerry I, yeah. Hall comes back. And, and Jerry yeah. Hall. Yeah, exactly. Who he's, he's, uh, he's really... Uh, Specified. Yeah, she's wearing a yeah. mask. Why is she wearing the mask? And she's acting all weird, and then, yeah, she doesn't make it. Uh, but Batman comes to save Vicky before we can get more time in the in the museum. But I just, I love the museum scene. I love, I love, yeah, I love the whole thing. It's weird and and funny, and, and uh, yeah, it's good. And, and that leads directly into a Batmobile that we have never seen before. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, before we get to the yeah. Batmobile, I have one note, which is, if, if I had to say there's one perfect shot in Batman, it is probably... My favorite shot of the movie is when he comes through the skylight in the museum and the whole cape is yeah. like fully mm-hmm. out. Like like you see the whole cape coming down. I love that. That's so great. Um, and then mm-hmm. the whole thing where he just sort of, wor- I think wordlessly, um, you know, just sort of stands there and fires off yep. his various. A lot of, lot of gadgets in these ones. Bat ropes and then slides away and out the door. And then they get to the Batmobile. Bat, which bat is, zip lines. Which is this wacky. Uh, again, wacky, modular, Art Deco, high-tech Batmobile thing. Yeah, Very which different. defined the Batmobile in all versions for, of Batman for decades. Like, immediately, the comics were like, oh, yeah, let's, let's do that. Yeah. When they had mm-hmm. Batman the Animated Series, oh, no, we're going to look just like this movie and have that Batmobile. Really, until Christian Bale Batman, I guess, where it's a little more, it's a, it's, it's a different, wider kind of platform thing. But yeah, it's yeah. a cool, cool Batmobile, huh? 
cool. When we yeah. said, let's stop having cool cars and have an ugly tank. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the animated version, but this would be my second favorite Batmobile. So, I mean, I like that it does not look like any other car, right? It, it's, it just looks crazy. Um, yeah, he didn't soup something up. This no, is like this custom is, built yeah. the whole way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't in, it, in it, the Batcave. And it, it almost doesn't look like a car, right? Like it looks more like like a weird shoe or something than a car. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like a, a, a torpedo with wheels. Yeah. yeah, it's a mashup between the Chrysler building and an SR seventy one. But Ooh. it doesn't look quite so. Go- it, it looks great when it's still. But when they're driving around with it, I, I think uh, real, <laughs> the suspension of disbelief oh, breaks shit. down a little yeah. bit. It's going to be hard to turn Physics that thing. Physics got in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's not just the Batmobile, though. There, there is the chase that they go through. There, there is one intersection that it goes through that, I, I, I'm not kidding you, is the most fake-looking set. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. ever <laughs> seen in a movie where they're driving through and it's like, that is not a street. That is not available <laughs> in public. That is, that is like, that's a backlog. Yeah. You spend a lot on this movie and, and, and like some of the street scenes, the parade too is the same way yeah. at the end yeah. where it is just super fake and like, yep. like minimal effort was made here. The art direction for Gotham is great. But, like, they have, like, two intersections, right? Like, they just yeah. – yep, and exactly. they use them over and over again, right? Like, Where did the, they go meet under that bridge again, Yeah, guys? the parade and the press conferences and, like, you know, the, like, the, the outside of City Hall and the outside of, the like, that movie theater, yeah. like, across They've the street got a block. from each they other. They built a block. Yeah. And that's They it. built a block. You can get away with that sort of thing on Star Trek because all, all corridors look the same. Right. But this this soundstage is so yeah. distinctive. Not all your corridors can be Crime Alley. It doesn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to let us leave the museum without distracting everybody with my crackpot theory. If people would like to hear my crackpot theory, email me. Wow. wow. You want some more email, Monty? Okay. <laughs> or you could tweet at Monty at Monty <laughs> underscore Ashley with, and ask him for a crackpot theory. <laughs> So they get they get in an alley. They get caught in an alley. Um, Batman decides to flee with Vicky up uh, by by firing his uh, bat whatever it is rope uh, thing up, and asks her how much she weighs. So then there's a weight joke that is made, which uh, I rolled my eyes at. Well, especially you yeah. already mm-hmm. bat ziplined with her. Like you know, this yeah. is not your second. You know, this is not your first bat rodeo. Like you, you yeah, should, yeah, he should know the weight. We're making fat jokes about Kim Basinger? Yeah. Really? I know, right? This is not the most feminist movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't say he's Chip. wearing like... <laughs> yeah, think. Wow, he's Chip. wearing like 200 pounds of armor. Ch- Chip, is this the most feminist Batman movie you've seen? <laughs> so, let's let's dig deeper on this one. <laughs> yeah. it, I would say it could be worse, but it's not great. <laughs> Strong, strong praise from Jason Snell. It could, could be worse. It could, be, could be worse, but the weight joke, it stands... Well, you know, like I said, they're, they're moments with Vicky Vale that I'm like all right that's good but yeah. then there are other things that are that are not I, but I want to talk about I want to talk about the fights in the alley cuz there are a whole bunch of Joker henchmen who come to fight Batman in the alley mm-hmm. and they're like there's like yeah. a, a fighter guy and then there's like a ninja and Tony to answer your question in the in the late 80s in Gotham City did we have a lot of ninjas in the act- answer is oh god yes so yes many. there were so many ninjas and there are some here some of the henchmen turned out to be ninjas everything i know about uh new york city is formed from the ninja turtles movie uh not the michael bay one and uh the warriors so i see i have no problems with this scene oh, so wow. you're missing rumble in the bronx which is an, a key component uh, it, it has the whole alpine part of yeah. new york city it's, it's 
<laughs> and and here we see one of the biggest limitations of this movie that I never noticed back in 1989, but in the days of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm totally seeing, which is <laughs> your hero cannot move. Yeah. The yeah. suit's yep. so damn yeah. big. These These fight scenes probably looked great when we had nothing to compare them to, but... He, they're not moving. Yeah. They're not moving. Well, the, the bad guys, the bad guys move, and then Batman like either steps out of the way or just punches them because that's about all he can yeah. do. I mean, he gets shot several times, and I guess he's just tough enough that they bounce off him. I mean, he's I, got the I, armor. I am not approaching this movie with uh, the level of nostalgia uh, that the, the rest of the team here is. Uh, yeah, all these action sequences fall pretty. Yes, pretty, yes, pretty yes. You're younger than us. So. Yeah. There's a scene <laughs> where you can tell what they wrote up was. Batman beats up all the thugs, and in the background, the Joker dances with Vicky Vale, and it looks great. Yeah, and boy, it takes him a long time to beat up those thugs because he can't even yeah. bend his well, waist. And plus, the thugs did the usual thing, and they went at him one or two at a time. Well, it's uh-huh. sporting. They're no sporting. Ninja no rules. No one ever thinks to swarm. Yeah. Ninja one rules. of them just falls through the floor without touching him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Batman's that good. So, I mean, for me, there's there's three pillars of Batman, right? Okay, tell me more. All right, this is good. I mean, we're getting some Church of Batman uh, stuff going on here. This is good. Good All to right. know. Three pillars of Batman. You didn't stop me, so here I go. Uh, gadgets, uh, detective work, and, you know, ninja skills. Um, this movie relies pretty heavily on one pillar of Batman. I, I would prefer to see a little bit more of a, an even distribution across those three pillars, is what I'm saying. So... Are you saying you want a more holistic Batman? I want a, yeah, I want a more complete Batman. Um, if you are looking to become, think, how can you be a more complete Batman, uh, write to Monty Ashley, and he'll forward that to me. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> Possibly with some editorializing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the suit, the, I think the suit looks great. But he can't move. There. No. Well, it looks great when he's not moving, yeah. which is most of the time. Right. Because he can't. Burton thought anything else didn't look threatening enough. And it's, you know, looking threatening is not the, the key thing with Batman. He's got to be able to move. Yeah. What, one thing you think of when you think of bats is immobility. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really like the scene that comes up here uh, when uh, they're riding back to the Batcave in the Batmobile and Kim Basinger starts to look at him and his face and all that and he turns on the light. Yes. And it shines in her face so she can't see and she kind of raises her hand and the and the the score comes up and they blast through the you know through the, the down that country road and into the hidden entryway to the bat cave. I love that whole thing. That's like super mystery Batman and he's not going to let you look at his at, at his mouth and chin to figure out who he is. There's a light yeah. he's got to stop people from <laughs> doing that if they if he takes a passenger on. In the Batcave, he keeps turning his head to keep himself shadowed so she can't yeah. see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to see a superhero actually worry about whether or not people can see his face. Yes. Mm-hmm. As, opposed to the, the, as opposed to Batman Returns, which we'll yeah. get to in a minute. Or any of your movie Spider-Men these days who it, take indeed. off that mask immediately. <laughs> the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hot. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is. So uh, romantic comedy starts suddenly. Um, there's, uh, there's a whole uh, plot where... Bruce is trying to tell her that uh, that he's Batman. He's going to admit it. He's going to let 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 that loose. Except he can't do it, and and uh, 
she says he's a jerk and then and then he says says shut up and he pushes her down which is i'm like yeah that's not actually that cool but okay it's the 80s it's a romantic comedy all right and then he's he struggles to get things out and she thinks he's married but he's trying to admit and and in fact would probably have said i'm batman at some point if the joker doesn't knock on the door Mm -hmm. uh and then our romantic comedy becomes a sort of weird romantic comedy crime tension thing for a little while (laughs) A, a, a source i will cite later says that this was kind of an actor's improv moment in the movie Mm. and it just doesn't fit by this point robert wool has been off the screen for a good 30 40 minutes and he's not coming back yeah he's not it was a very good 30 (laughs) it's a a different it's just a different movie in this in this part and there's the i mean there's some nice bits in here uh the the uh, bruce wayne when he comes in he says he comments on her on her apartment right nice apartment Right, Monty? Nice place, yeah. lots of space. And then lots so when the Joker comes in, he says, nice place, lots of space. And I'm like, oh, they say the same <laughs> things. That was that was kind of funny. But, um, you know, Bruce Wayne provokes the Joker. Come on, let's get nuts. Um, I don't really understand why he does that. It seems weird. It's, the plan is for him to be shot where, right where he has the little metal tray so mm-hmm. that he doesn't die. I don't know. It, it is a little coincidental, yes. Yeah. I I don't understand why this scene is the way it is. Because because if anyone if, if the Joker is going to shoot anyone anywhere, why would he aim for the heart? He would do like various parts yeah, of the body to watch you twitch and, you know, yeah, he would maim you and make you hurt until you're done. I don't know, man. It's Chinatown. It's Chinatown, Jake. I, my only explanation and it's not a good one is um the idea that that Bruce Wayne is trying to be chivalrous and buy time to figure this out, yeah, and if yes. he can keep intention on himself and not Vicky, less likely that she's going to get hurt. That, but like I said, it's still weak as water, and it's a really strange scene. And it's because they need the Joker to shoot Bruce there so that he yeah. can say the dance with the devil line, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. which he and always says need... when he kills people, except all those other times when he doesn't say it. <laughs> we kill people yeah. in the movie. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> He's killed several people by this point. He didn't say any. <laughs> yeah. Also, that one time he said it and pointed a gun at a kid and then didn't didn't do it. So you know. Yep. But he always does. Oh, it. Do. Always does. It. He, was, he was being prepared. <laughs> Okay, so he's not the most consistent guy in the world. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just grumbling about that plot point. <laughs> so when he says that, though, Michael Keaton does react, mm-hmm. and that is kind of a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Joker's uh, brilliant plans, let's talk about his latest brilliant plan, which is he's going to have a parade uh, where he's going to drop $20 million in cash on the crowd uh, for the party that's the yay for everything party or whatever. And uh, it's uh, it's weird because first, yeah, yeah. Because first off, first off, it's kind of unclear about what's going on. And and the beginning again, I'm going to point out at the beginning of that scene when the parade gets started, there's like seven people there yeah. for the citywide <laughs> yeah. parade yeah. with twenty million yeah. in cash. Seven people, dropped. no cops. Uh, the same intersection that we've seen several times before, and a very small, like two lane street. Yeah. Yeah, these huge budgets were not spent on extras. No, I which because Jack Nicholson got it all. Yeah, right? I mean, when we jump ahead to Batman Returns, there's not that many people at that tree lighting ceremony. Well, you know, <laughs> no. they do it every year. So no. you can watch it at home from te- on television. Yeah. On television, yeah. 
There's more prints in the in the parade, though, so yeah. we get we get a little bit of like that. Yeah. And I, actually, I was reminded in the first uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, they have the Hooray for Everything festival <laughs> where the Green Goblin attacks people, and there's balloons and stuff. And this is yeah. it, it's very much the same scene as this, except of course that actually is like in Times Square and has lots of people, you know, computer generated people, but lots of people. And I was I was reminded of that while watching this. Yeah. That this is the the low budget version where they have one block and you know 20 extras i i wondered how much they spent on the sequence where batman is angry and he drives his car to the chemical plant and blows everything up uh because i felt like yeah, that, oh that yeah. seemed expensive and didn't add much um yeah he just I, rolls rolls the batmobile in drops some bombs blows up axis chemicals and and drives off like uh yeah hey, take that chemical plant yeah. the movie did not have enough explosions so they needed to good thing nobody yeah. was in there yeah <laughs> yep so Robert Wool makes his triumphant reappearance here, Monty. Yay! He's back. <laughs> what have you been up to, Robert? He's totally doing what a reporter at an event would do, which is he tells the photographer, take pictures. That's <laughs> funny. Good, good tip. Take the pictures. And then he writes a headline out loud as he's taking the pictures. Gotham's greed. This is not how journalism works. This is not what a reporter does. But at least Robert Wool is back. He knows the idea of journalism. There's one point... <laughs> A little earlier where he yells, copy, and seems completely unprepared for the kid right next to him to say, yes, sir. You don't have any copy for that no. kid. You haven't written a word, you liar. Anyway, there's a there's a bat plane. Yeah, and- Jason, Jason, n- nice movie you got here. I like the Batmobile, but we need to sell two toys. How can you help me out here? <laughs> what if what if we have a bat plane that looks like the Batman logo and he flies it in front of the moon, thereby creating the Batman logo? Okay, that sounds great. However, I've only got about eight bucks worth of budget, so you can never have that appear next to any actual actors because we're gonna may- maybe like have you make a model of it. Is that okay? What we're gonna do is we're gonna make a bat plane model that's gonna fly around, and then we're gonna have a thing that we put on like a golf cart that we drag <laughs> along our one street. Mm-hmm. And and, and and what we'll have is the bat plane will just get shot by a gun and and crash. And, and again, another, that'll be the end in, of the bat. Apparently, plane. the original script called for the Joker to have a tank to shoot the bat plane down, and then yeah. for budgetary reasons, his tank is replaced with a gun. Um, a gun. Well, somewhere <laughs> in here is the scene that is most Tim Burtony in the movie to me, which is when the plane grabs all the balloons and flies away. Yeah. Oh yeah, those balloons. I'm positive are based on the same sketches that led to Nightmare Before Christmas. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Those blues are the same toys that are under trees. Mm. Because those, more than anything else in the movie, say, hi, I'm Tim Burton. I like stuff that looks like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do like that scene where Batman's got his, like, a little claw or whatever on the bat plane that can grab the balloons. Mm -hmm. And and it leads to the the Joker getting very upset. He took my balloons. I love that. (laughs) Why didn't somebody tell me he had that? Yeah, that that part's that part's good. Oh, poor Bob. I like the idea that the balloons themselves are full of poison gas and will be released mm-hmm. on the unsuspecting yeah. public. That's kind of fun. You can think about that when you're watching the the Thanksgiving parade next year. That's I mean, that's a that classic Joker style plot, right? I mean, I I'm, I'm down oh, with yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Why is it that they get bigger as the gas is released? I'm just confused about uh, that point. It's physics. It's Everything gas. with distance physics. in that entire sequence does not make any sense. Like the size no. of the balloons or whatever size they need to be, the proximity of the balloons to the Joker uh, is whatever they need to be. It's, yeah, it's, don't worry about it. 
Everything's great. At that point, though, we get action hero Robert Wool because he masks himself and picks up a baseball <laughs> yeah. bat. And, what is he doing? You are not the hero <laughs> of this know. movie, sir. You don't know that. They could rename it later. Call it Knox Man. <laughs> yeah. Just keep acting as hard as you can. It's the journalist and the Batman. That'll be what it's called. You know, he could just as easily be in the suit, too. Do we really know? This this scene ends with the climax where they all run up into a tower and fight. Because there's always a tower. Mm. It all follows. Yeah, you're right. Exactly right, Shannon. There's There's got to be a tower, and here it is. And a giant bell falls down and knocks out yeah. the stairs so that no one can chase them up. Except also, so conveniently, at the top of the tower, there's like 10 Joker goons. That doesn't make any sense. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know where those guys came from. Don't worry about it. They're there. And again, it's it's a variety of goons. They're talented. Yeah, you got there's ninja punching goons. goons, and there's ninja goons. Yeah, this is, you know. And cartwheeling goons. Yeah. Mm-hmm diversification yeah yeah you gotta have different kinds of goons and that allows the joker to dance and make jokes Mm -hmm. while batman has to fight various goons Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah this this is not one of my favorite parts of the movie this feels like the perfunctory (laughs) we have to have a boss fight at the end of the movie thing yeah and that's what it it you know knowing that now it kind of shows through in the direction yeah because Tim Burton didn't want to do that yeah. for the ending. Mm-hmm. This is a problem you always have with Batman versus the Joker, which is Batman is strong and the Joker isn't. Yeah. So if Batman punches Joker even once, that's kind of the end of the game. Yeah. Once you get yeah. to the Joker, you that's you've won. Once you can get get to him. Yeah. Well, and we'll see this again in Batman Returns. But in the comics, you know, Joker's got this wiry, insane strength, and Batman happens to not be wearing armor, so it's a bit of a, of a fairer fight. Mm-hmm. We have just completely missed, actually, the uh, the uh, issue that uh, uh, of uh, Batman's secret origin, which they're about to have out here on top of this. Belfry. Yeah, I, I. So yeah, they they we get the dance with the devil in the pale moonlight and all that, and it's revealed that, like I said earlier, that the Joker, uh, when Jack, when he was young, Jack Napier, he was the one who shot Bruce Wayne's parents. And there's that moment of like, you you know, you created me, and you created me. Ah, uh, and <laughs> which then even it, the Joker, <laughs> the Joker makes fun of that immediately. Yeah. Oh, sure, you gotta say that. I say you, I, you created me. You gotta say I created you. Like he doesn't even listen to yeah. it. So how do people feel about this in the context of the movie? I don't I don't like it in the context of Batman, but maybe maybe it works out. Okay. I don't mind it. Yeah. As a single movie, fine, they're dark mirrors of each other. <laughs> that gives him a little extra that that's fine. I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. The writer's trying to add some depth in there mm-hmm. somewhere. Well, well was, that was Burton's idea. Okay. I like the idea that we get Batman's origin in passing and to make mm-hmm. it yes. to make it relevant yes. in some way. I think you could have probably made it relevant where he was killed by somebody like mm-hmm. Jack Napier and not have it literally be him and still have yeah. a connection there because that's an awful lot of coincidence, but it's fine. And you know, and that's sometimes th- this is handled in different ways. Uh I mean, I uh, the person who is usually identified as the killer is this mm-hmm. character called Joe Chill, and even that some yeah. people did not like because they like the idea more that like the you know, that we will, he will never know, right? And that he yeah, can right. he will go out every night and f- fight crime and never have he's never going to be able to uh 100% avenge his parents because uh some faceless hood is the person and, and you know he has to fight all crime to to confront that as yeah. opposed to like nope it's a guy he's got a name and a face and maybe I can get him even some days and there, there I believe there's at least one story where that happens so to then make it even be the joker uh yeah not not, not a fan yeah 
that's a, that's the point actually that uh, Glenn and here's where I cite the previous source. Uh, Glenn Weldon uh, from Pop Culture Happy Hour wrote a really really good book. I really love it called yes. the, Cra- the Caped Crusade, and his argument is that by doing this, uh, by making the Joker the guy who killed Batman's parents, you've turned this from a hero story into a revenge story. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. and as far as Batman goes, I don't like it. But as far as a self-contained movie where, spoiler alert, the Joker dies at the end, yeah, um, it kind of makes sense to sort of wrap it all up in the one story. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll buy that. See, see, my my headcanon is that was that. I mean, it probably still is. Um, that it's not really the Joker or Jack Napier or whoever you want to call him at that point. It's that that's what Batman is imagining now and that every night he goes out he sees someone different doing it and that's part of his part of his little quirk about that is his psychosis about that so you know to me it doesn't have to be the joker in this but it makes sense that he would picture him this time mm-hmm. so th- i mean this is basically the end of the movie they 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 fight they go for yeah one last press conference <laughs> Yes, that's right. There's a cliffhanger, uh, and then they reverse, and then the Joker drops and dies, and uh, and uh, there is a press conference, and Commissioner Gordon explains that they've been given a bat signal, and we pan up through the city. <laughs> yay, vigilantes. And he gave us the signal. We needed one, because we didn't have any spotlights, so nobody turned it on, though, because then Batman the Batman must be rich. Yeah. Who could he be? And that's that's uh that's uh Batman. I I uh was I saw this movie a lot in the I guess early 90s and mm. I was a little worried to revisit it cuz I hadn't revisited it in quite a while and you know I uh I enjoyed watching it. It's got lots of issues, but I I like the uh, the the way it looks, and I like Michael Keaton, and I like Jack Nicholson's totally wild performance, and I you know I I I enjoyed watching it, even though it's definitely of you know uh, of its time. What did everybody else think about this one? I continue to enjoy it. Yeah, not oh, as yeah. much as I did the first time I saw it. We've had a lot more superhero movies since then, right? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. part of it. Is is that this was <laughs> that, the, that the novelty of a movie, a, a, like a big budget movie with real actors about Batman? It was kind of a big. I mean, not just the marketing part of it. It was a big deal to have this much talent make and money assembled to make a superhero movie. And now, of course, we get t- eight or ten of these a year. But comparing it to modern superhero movies, everyone now wants everybody to make sense. They tr- like especially DC movies. We try to have motivations for all the characters. But a madman like Tim Burton is willing to say, "All right, Jack Nicholson, you remember Caesar Romero? Double it. Go." <laughs> <laughs> when my brother made me watch Batman Begins. And we're talking about, you haven't seen Batman Begins yet? Oh my God, you have to see Batman Begins. I'm watching Batman Begins, and I've got this movie competing with it in the back of my head. And I wound up I almost, I wound up disliking Batman Begins because it was too much of an effort to make Batman realistic. Hmm. And yes. And when you when you when you get to the point where Bruce Wayne puts on bat ears, 
it's got to be a whole lot weirder. Otherwise, I'm sitting here going, why is he putting on bat ears? Mm. <laughs> I love this. I love the 1989 <laughs> Batman because it is just weird enough to make me forgive a whole lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. I, I think it mostly holds up, um, as you said, you know, taking into account that, yes, it this is Tim Burton, and, and Tim Burton has a unique vision. But um, <laughs> it holds up for me overall. I have quibbles aplenty uh, here and there, uh, but I can still sit down and watch it again and enjoy most of it again. Yeah, I, I enjoy it as a fusion of... A little bit of the Adam West style, a little bit of the yes. Frank Miller, a little bit of Denny O'Neill, uh, you know, a little bit of Neil Adams. Um, I love that it spawned, it sort of gave us the animated series, which is my favorite Batman of all. Um, and and for me, I mean, Batman Begins, I really liked it when I saw it in the theater. And then, you know, I didn't watch it for a while. And then The Dark Knight came out and I went, oh, well, I should rewatch Batman Begins. And I didn't like it as much. And I still have not gotten all the way through Dark Knight Rises because it is just so oppressively wrong. And, you know, and so in retrospect, I liked the Nolan movies less and less as they went on. And I still really enjoy this. I don't need the plot to make total sense. I just enjoy it while I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, because it's not going to. I mean, it's more like comic books. Actually, it is, <laughs> right, it, is, exactly. it is very straightforward in a way that so many of these movies that have multiple villains aren't, mm-hmm. where it's like, look, the Joker is bad and he's crazy and he wants to cause uh, cause trouble for Batman and he is interested in Vicky Vale and making him his ne- next art project and he wants to uh, kill people in Gotham City. Like, I mean, th- th- he doesn't have a grand set of machinations that are going to lead to a, an outcome. He he is just a, a comic book villain who's trying to do bad stuff and Batman stops him. That's, mm-hmm. I you know, it's refreshing in that way that that's kind of all there is to this movie. It's th- that's it. It's like there's Batman, there's the Joker, they interact and at the end, the Joker plunges off of a building and is dead. And mm-hmm. that's it. Tony, your verdict on Batman. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. The people who made this should not be hunted down and killed for sport. Um, no, this this is fine. It's fine. Are you sure? Cause, it's cause okay. Many of them made Batman Returns. Anyway, um, I I like the version of the Joker. Uh, I I think I'm less impressed with this version of Batman uh, than than the rest of you. Uh, to me, he's a little blah. Um, the action sequences um, have not aged particularly well, but maybe they were more exciting at the time. Nope. Um, I do like weird weirdo <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Uh, I I had not remembered that and that was that was kind of a treat to discover that um but it i i feel like i mean and this is this is not necessarily a problem with this movie so much as a lot of batman in general is uh sometimes batman is not very exciting and it's his villains that are the interesting fun and i get the sense that maybe tim burton does not care that much about batman uh and that this movie is kind of a a little a lot more about the joker and this we'll we'll talk about batman returns shortly um but Batman can can be boring, and I think he's especially boring when he's just kind of by himself, uh, and that's why I think a lot of stories he gets paired with other people, and that, that can be fun, whether that's uh, Robin or Commissioner Gordon, uh, and we get a little bit of that here with, with Vicki Vale, but not a lot, and so Batman I, I, in this particular film comes across as kind of boring a lot, and I think that's a little unfortunate. Oh, and Commissioner Gordon is a non-entity in this, too, which is too bad. Yeah, I mean, he's there, but... I want to springboard off something Tony said, because... Dangerous. (laughs) Coming out of this movie, absolutely everyone talked about 
how much fun Jack Nicholson was and nobody talked about Michael Keaton. And everyone said, oh, I get it. The villains are the interesting part. The villains add the color and the excitement to the story. And I think that led directly to what happens in Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Keaton is easily my favorite thing in the movie. And like I said, he's still my favorite movie, Batman. So Batman Returns then happened. And um, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I feel about Batman Returns. So that was that was 1992, uh, three years later. So I've got a theory about Batman Returns. I will I will give you my full disclosure up front. I saw Batman Returns in the theater in 1992, and I hated it. And I have not seen it since, and I watched it for this podcast. And let me tell you, uh, 21-year-old me has excellent taste in detecting <laughs> Batman movies. <laughs> yep. Because Batman Returns is a piece of crap. And uh, I will I will argue with those yep. who think otherwise. But here's here's my theory because I think it's I think it's garbage. I think it is I think it is so terrible. Uh, and and seeing it again, yeah, it's so terrible. But here's the here's the reason why. One, Tim Burton. I'm not a Tim Burton fan. Batman is a movie that is compromised by all of the studio oversight, the producer oversight, the marketing message, all of that. Tim Burton has said he doesn't like Batman, the movie. He doesn't like it. He's not happy. He thinks it's boring. I think Batman is not a movie that Tim Burton really wanted to make or liked to make, and he didn't get to make the movie he wanted. And in Batman Returns, after Batman was such a financial success, they let Tim Burton make whatever he wanted, and the result is a terrible movie because the only reason Batman is watchable is because they didn't let Tim Burton be Tim Burton because Tim Burton being Tim Burton is the recipe for a bad movie. Not a bad movie, but not a good comic book movie. I chatted with Glenn Weldon um, at a book release party, and I told him that I was... uh, uh, I, I I really love the book, although I thought he was too unkind to uh, the Tim Burton movies. And he said, that is an opinion that some people have. <laughs> and so, but uh, for the first, so I was thinking about Batman Returns as I remembered it. I watched it for the first time just before we started recording. And I owe Glenn Weldon an apology. So, <laughs> no, this movie is not good. <laughs> My problem is I want to... I want to defend Tim Burton, but I don't want to defend this movie, which is garbage. Well, I'll put it this, I'll put it this way, Monty. I can see how reasonable people would like some of Tim Burton's movies. I don't they don't yeah. work for me. And I I've thrown, I think we were talking in our Slack earlier about how I feel about Tim Burton's movies like how some people feel about Wes Anderson's movies, which is they feel all exactly the same to me. Whatever the sensibility is that he's trying to get across, it obviously really works for him and people who like his movies, and it doesn't work for me. I like I I just it it's all just noise to me. I I find it all uh, unpleasant, uh, in, with some exceptions, like Ed Wood, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is a good example, right? But a lot of the movies he makes, I don't really love. Batman Returns, though, I feel like is is everything I don't like about a Tim Burton movie, like multiplied and it concentrated. Well, let me put it this way: <laughs> I am tuned into Tim Burton to the point where. I kind of enjoyed the Dark Shadows movie. It was not as annoying as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Batman Returns, I can't stand. I don't think there's <laughs> I don't think he gets any of the quirkiness mm-hmm. in. It's just the surface level stuff. 
Oh no, it's all it, oh god, it's too much quirk. <laughs> I want to list a couple more of my theories here, which is which is I do think that this is one of those movies that really lets us down the path of hey, what if we had more villains in superhero movies? It's a terrible idea. I don't know if it's ever been done well where they've added like multiple supervillains in a superhero movie and had it work out to improve the movie, and I don't think it does it here either. So I think that's part of the problem. And I think fundamentally, and this came up earlier, Tim Burton totally doesn't think Batman is interesting. And for the largest part of Batman Returns, Batman is not even around. It is really the story of the Penguin and Catwoman. And Batman is like the doofus who shows up and bugs them sometimes. Oh, God. That was one of the things that drove me nuts this time. I I remember watching this. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I think I saw it on a cable channel or on um, on VHS afterwards at some point. And it irritated me at the time, thinking like, you know, they really could have done better a better job with Catwoman. Mm-hmm. This was before I really knew Selena yeah. Kyle's Catwoman's origins in, in the comics. I hadn't seen the animated series yet. And this origin story neither of these origin stories make any any sense sense she falls she falls out of a window and and falls to her death except she hits a few awnings on the way down but then cats swarm her and jason jason do i have to explain to you how magic works I, I, I'm just saying I wasn't aware that that, that this Cat is Woman, not a Doctor Strange movie. Catwoman is like a cat spirit totem person mm. or something, but that's what this movie wants us to believe. Also, that penguins raised a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there, to yeah. be fair, to be fair, I think there's the implication that he was also raised by the circus and just wasn't mentioning. All right, that okay, for PR reasons. Fair. Fair. See, fair. who will speak for the circus? I will speak for yeah. the circus. Okay, good. The awning had a picture of a, a cat, cat on it. On it did, and they were just talking about cats <laughs> before she fell through. So the she window. got possessed by an awning spirit. Is that what you're telling me? She no, that would have been awning woman. <laughs> well, what happens if if you say I'm not a cat and then you fall through an well, awning with a picture of a cat and then cats come around you, <laughs> you are forced to start talking all sorts of cat metaphors and <laughs> for the whole. At movie. one point, try to wash yourself by licking your hand. Lots of animal. <laughs> animal theme right i mean that's the idea is mm. penguin and Catwoman. <laughs> so we're gonna have lots of animals and and at one point there's like i'm not a human being i'm an animal is something that so danny devito is the penguin and and uh oh who is it uh no I, i'm blanking michelle, michelle, michelle pfeiffer. pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer is Catwoman. is selena kyle um Christopher Walken is Max Shrek, named after the star of Nosferatu. <laughs> he dresses like Scrooge in a Christmas Carol, which is just how I about that him. makeup? I like when they introduce him. He's at he's in a meeting, so you know he's probably not so great, and he's wearing gloves inside, so you know he's really evil. Yeah, so. he's also <laughs> very clearly modeled after Donald Trump. I am not kidding. He is very no. clearly modeled oh, after Donald absolutely. Trump. Absolutely. Yeah. Practically, his last line is "You're fired." This movie was actually a little uncomfortable to watch after the election, I'll tell you. Living in the New York area at the time, that w- everybody was like, oh, wow, he's like goth Donald Trump. Whoa! He, he was and, the I only mean, good thing in the movie. Well, I was going to say, the, for me, the only three good things in the movie, Christopher Walken. Yes. The fact that Michael Keaton finally gets top billing in a Batman <laughs> film. Okay. In a, yeah. But he has and, like the fourth most lines. I know. 
and and the fact that the words to the music in this were really easy to memorize. I like the uh, I like uh, the part where all the penguins are on the march. I watched that twice. That was my favorite part. Oh, of the nice. movie. Yeah, they're cute. <laughs> they fire, oh, they fire some uh, some some rockets. Yeah, some rockets. Which yeah. the penguins yeah. have the penguins have targeting reticles dropping yeah. over their eyes. They have targeting monocles. Why do the penguins have remote control? Sorry, they, I'll, I'll did they <laughs> carry his corpse to the? water at the end yes they did they did there's a very nice sort of penguin ceremony they have levitating magic monty is this your first penguin funeral they're pallbearers yes it's this this movie so so yeah the the absence of batman he just disappears for for a, a large portion of the movie um the penguin stuff i found not interesting christopher walken is he is the best thing in the movie uh, I like I like him. It's a bizarre performance, but I really enjoy it. Well, it's walking. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's probably a problem that the 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 that's orthogonal <laughs> to the whole mo- right notion of Batman. <laughs> yeah, I want to follow him and see what he's what up. What will to. Max Shrek do next? And the answer is he gets killed by the cat by Catwoman at the end. But I, I, I feel I, like that. Yeah, I have thoughts about that. <laughs> so. He's like the Robert Wool of this mm-hmm. movie. Yes, he is. I've never <laughs> heard Robert Wall and Christopher Walken compared, but there it is. <laughs> yeah, well, you would, would totally watch, watch Christopher Walken as Arliss. Uh-huh. I was just, just going to say yeah, that. That sure. sounds great. That's a sports agent you do not want to mess with. It drives me nuts uh, the, the the way they had some of for, – for me, one of the strengths in the movie was post-transformation Catwoman Pfeiffer, you know, and – and it, oh. it was really irritating that they even had to transform her in the first place. I mean, Selena Kyle in the comics is, you know, rich lady who decides to, you know, start stealing jewelry or whatever. But no, they're going to have to transform Michelle Pfeiffer, try to make her a frump so that they <laughs> yeah, can turn her into a at. glamour woman yeah. towards so the end. Glasses. Corn dog. Yes. I- and um, there were so many good points hidden inside the Catwoman story. The, the idea of her trying to become her own vigilante because at first she's you know she you know first thing she does is rescue a woman although she's very upset that the woman let herself get caught in the first place uh, and then she turns to destruction of going after Shrek it, then it turns into this weird unresolved sexual tension between her and between Catwoman and Batman that just comes out of nowhere and makes no sense their moves are totally weird so weird it emphasizes the other thing i hate about this movie which is how dumb batman is for the first two-thirds of the movie yeah he's the world even when he shows up he's the, dumb the world's greatest like, detective where's your detective skills i wrote down at one point the world's greatest detective with a bunch of question marks and then like three lines down in my notes it says oh now the world's greatest detective is punching clowns yeah <laughs> that is what batman <laughs> does in the first two-thirds <laughs> of this movie I, I will i will i will also yeah. check in with with uh my wiser friends here about what uh it was like when this movie came out uh, i was still a child and i recall it being weird that this movie uh, was still like a vehicle for shoveling action figures at kids, uh, even though it was so much more violent and had like these sexual themes to it that they're you know even yeah. above. I don't think people at well, the time felt, knew what to do with that. This felt movie. weird. Uh, I mean, I remember yeah. seeing like like kids dressed up as Catwoman for Halloween, like young children, and being like, "This is uh-huh. this is weird. Yep. This is not right." Well, Harley Quinn, t- you know this this year. Yeah. Lots of people went to see it. Lots of people. I mean probably went back for second viewings but 
when you've got pallbearer penguins, you don't know what to do with pallbearer penguins. <laughs> I'm okay with that part. <laughs> yeah. They, no one knew what to do. I have vivid <laughs> memories. I don't, I don't know why I remember this of Joan Rivers when she had her TV show and she has this gossip columnist or press, you know, somebody who was on the celebrity circuit talking about like one of the one of the pre-release parties or something for for the movie and she's showing Joan Rivers this uh, paperweight that's designed so that was one of the big things was it was Christmas time it was snow snow everywhere so there was this glass paperweight with the Batman logo inside it and if you tilted it the snow would move across it and here's Joan Rivers playing looking with this thing playing with it going what the hell is this <laughs> that 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 felt like the general reaction after once the movie was out it's like what the hell is this the buzzwords were there. Penguin, Catwoman, Batman's back. And what? Is Batman back, really? Well, they didn't bother with anything that yeah. was was worthwhile. I mean, I remember at the time thinking, you know, remembering back three years to all the marketing push and everywhere you saw the logo and everything was bright and bold and fun. And, you know, just the logo itself was, you know, black and gold and, and just – just jumped out at you. And this did not have any of that. It didn't have a song, you know, again, whatever we think of the songs and all, it didn't have a song playing every hour on MTV. It didn't have anything bouncy and fun to it. The only thing you ever saw was dark and snow and ice and, and their three faces. And they looked so serious. Yeah. Also, it's a, it's a and, Christmas movie. It's set at Christmas time and it was released in June. So perfect yeah. timing. <laughs> one of the, one of the pieces that was taken out of the first Batman movie was or or heavily reduced was the notion of the Batman and Joker being part, different sides of the same coin. There's a head, newspaper headline in an early script that was taken out where the headline is War of the Freaks. And they seemed to rediscover that idea for this movie because they put so much effort into turning um, Penguin and Catwoman into freaks yeah. and also playing with the idea of Batman as a freak. Yep. And Tim Burton seems to be so fascinated with that that he forgets to make a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Or just have Batman. He's not interested in Batman. He Tim Burton very clearly is bored by Batman. And so this is a movie about the about Catwoman and Penguin, really, and there's a little bit of satire about him running for for mayor, and there's the and, and there's Max Shrek trying to manipulate things and all of that. But but Batman doesn't get a lot of time. Bruce Wayne gets a little time, sort of like in his. Again, there's this other thread, which is his attraction to Selena Kyle and Batman's attraction to Catwoman, and that's that feels like something out of the comics a little bit. And when we get to the very, I love that part. Yeah, of the yeah, movie. I, I, I love that, it. I think that's I think that's one of my yeah, favorite. That's one things of the really it. strong parts that. Yeah. Let these two really good actors give them this really tangled issue. Let them go. But, Michelle but Pfeiffer, no. after she after she gets dumped out of the window. And when she's not in the cat suit is fascinating. Yeah. Except in that scene where she's sewing the the scene where she comes back to her apartment uh, and just oh, yeah, has a fit and then oh. sews her thing. I hate that scene a yeah, lot. I agree. Then she pulls it together. Yeah. The the reason I don't think this was all Tim Burton's idea is he would rather have the freaks be the heroes instead of the villains. Well, sure. Like mm-hmm. he would rather do Edward Scissorhands than have the guy who's yeah shunned by society be 
actually ugly and horrible like Danny DeVito. <laughs> I mean, Danny DeVito's yeah. character. <laughs> He's making do though with like, well, what can I do with the, a, a Batman movie to give to give it what I want? It's like to have these to have these characters like this. I'm a little surprised that Catwoman ends up uh, ends up killing Max at the end because it seems kind of unnecessary. She they they kiss over a taser too. It's really stupid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he did kill her first. That's true, but I th- I feel like that would be an interesting moment of like, uh, is she bad or is she good? Like maybe 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 she's more complicated than that because that character is kind of like that. She's a little bit of both, and then the penguin is is more irredeemable. But you know, that's again, you know, they're, they're in the end, it is about them just sort of like having their moment on the stage, and then sort of a perfunctory. I guess Batman needs to clean this up at the end because it's that kind of movie. Yeah. I do like that little clever bit at the beginning of the movie before she takes her tumble uh, when she's when Selena Kyle is mugged and she's so mousy and all this other stuff and Batman saves her and the taser's still lying there. And then she just gets this glint in her eye and she tases the unconscious thug. And that I, I do like that little bit because that's that sort of suggests you that, yeah, she is kind of broken inside and got a lot of repressed anger and stuff like that. Well, I, I think that the, the Catwoman thread for me, the, the Selena Kyle Catwoman thing for me, um, feels like the whether it's the script or whether it's Burton, I don't know. Um, but it feels like this first weak, shaky step towards women having agency because, you know, she's one of the reasons I think she's she's going to kill Shrek at the end is because, you know, this is a step she can take to finally get her full revenge on him. Um, that one line just killed me. Um, I, I would love to, you know, go live in your castle and be your fairy princess. I would love that, but I would hate myself. Yep. You know, because she sees even that, you know, is is giving in in a way. There's there's a really good idea buried in there that we only get glimpses of. I, my note says, um, despite the dick jokes that happen in this, um, I think mm-hmm. the I think the Bruce Selena yeah. relationship is the best thing in the movie. Like other other than other than yes. walking doing walking because that's weird and 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 quirky and it's like she's got a secret identity, he's got a secret identity. They're both really messed up. Um, they meet when she walks into the office. Uh, where where Walken is convinced that he he killed her the night before, and she just walks in. And he's like, yeah. "What's going on?" And then that's also when Bruce Wayne is there, and they meet, and so that's kind of electric, and all of that is 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 pretty cool yeah. because mm-hmm. that's that's a weird. I mean, I mean, there's your Tim Burton movie, right? It's like the freaks are the heroes. It's like Bruce and Selena are kind of freaks, but they're also kind of the mm-hmm. leads and the heroes here, and 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 it that stuff kind of works and some of the batman catwoman stuff works too but uh that's you know again th- then then a monkey delivers a note of regret from batman and <laughs> we move on i remember going into the movie all the press the only press i remember about batman returns was talking about sean young trying to be Catwoman. yeah right oh there were all yes. those stories about her like sneaking onto the set in the co- in a costume she made herself and sneaking into Tim Burton's office. Well, she was supposed to be the original Vicky Vale, and she got hurt, and they had to recast Basinger. So, okay, apparently she really, really wanted to be in a movie. It made me uncomfortable at the time, because they were really casting her as crazy Sean Young, who was so desperate for work, mm-hmm. she'd show up on talk shows and beg for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, this movie has some interesting things 
to try to say about misogyny, and yet it does it it, it almost performs the misogyny mm-hmm. more than it comments <laughs> on yeah. it. It mansplains yeah. it, or Batmansplains it. Penguin is awful. Max Shrek is awful, yep. and Catwoman is sort of this perfect victim kind of character. Um, and it's almost like they it's there there were bits of this in the first Batman movie with Jack Nicholson's character. You know, I didn't. You look good, Jack. I didn't ask. And all this other stuff. But they amp it up in this movie as though they're trying to make a point about it. Uh, and I'm, I I don't think that they succeed. And Michael Keaton's last scene about uh, goodwill toward men and women just doesn't no. do it. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. the last person to, to do a pass on the screenplay just put in a million stupid quips. Yeah. Like towards the last half of the movie, it's full of things like, I haven't been fed all day. Eat floor. Oh, yeah. High fiber. Mm. Lawn yeah. dart. Oh, yeah. Saved by kitty litter. Mm. I, all my notes are Semi hard, like I'd I say. I gave it the office. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he did the final pass on it, but the, the main credited screenwriter had uh, his previous film was Hudson Hawk, which is a much better film. <laughs> <laughs> it is a much better film. It's much better than this movie. Oh. It's so much fun. One thing I wanted to mention uh, about this, and then I, I'm pretty much done with the things for me to say about this movie because I, I don't I don't like it. <laughs> okay, but Jason, you haven't even done the plot outline. Yeah, yet. that's not going to happen. I, I, what plot? The, I, I am amused by the scene where when the penguin is trying to give a speech again, another press conference scene. Tony, um, you're he's welcome. Hacked. <laughs> you're hacked by Batman and Alfred using a CD, a bat and, CD. Yes, and that yes. makes me laugh because they 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 turn the tables on him and and he does a little bit of a scratching there and then later in the movie alfred is like a a freaker with frequency jamming powers who turns uh the penguins around and it's like go alfred and it's ridiculous and awful and and doesn't fit but it's also funny and the culmination of that batman shows up and he's got his bat remote that controls the penguins and the penguin gets the remote from him and then presses the button, yeah, which blows everything up. And it's like uh-huh. I don't, I don't, yeah. Why is I think that was the that trick? Doesn't make was, any was, sense. Was, was it's like a homing thing, and that whoever presses the button, it's going to blow up that that thing. And then and so Batman's just tricking the Penguin into taking. Jason, it. you're a seasoned tech journalist. Is that how buttons work? yep that's how it works it's a red button tony red button that means things explode if you push it come on okay Uh, thank you standards the iso standard for buttons i would like to briefly call out three things in the movie that i have a comment about if that's okay one i like the way devito says no just give you a splitting headache and the way christopher walken sounds kind of like he's apologizing when he says it's not working (laughs) (laughs) like that was a weird scene that i enjoyed a weird scene i did not enjoy is when uh catwoman is skipping rope with her bullwhip which feels like somebody thought that would look cool and then it didn't and finally batman totally straps some dynamite to a henchman and blows him up right we we don't we don't see that he's fine yeah i mean we we talked about him not killing people he kills people he's he's fine he's fine the best surgeons are very tony you're in denial here (laughs) batman of these two movies is a cold-blooded murderer straight from detective comics 27 days you have to admit it 
he's he's a bad guy. Just you you just band-aid over that and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have an important a huge question. Explosion. I have a very important question here, please. Where the hell did the Red Triangle Circus gang get the plans for the Batmobile? Yeah, I'm just asking. That's a pretty big plot hole. Uh, they broke into yeah. the DMV. Uh, let's say Wikipedia? that. Wikipedia? Um, here, here, here. I can headcanon it. It's it's weak and pathetic. Uh, there is the scene where they go to the, the <laughs> Department of Records. Like this movie! Yeah, they go to the... They, <laughs> Penguin spends an extended period of time in the Gotham Department of Records, which has a very fancy sign for a Department of Records. Uh, and probably... Bruce Wayne is an upstanding citizen and has put the files for the blueprints of the Batmobile and entered them into the public record, as you do when you're trying to maintain a secret identity. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and oh, there you, Tony. There, uh, yeah, do, Tony. Yeah, hand wave, Tony. done. Yeah, um, Tony. No. How do you think he got Tony. the license plate for it? It's street legal. Yeah. I think I felt a breeze. Yeah. How do people feel? To me, the worst scene in this movie is when the penguin goes up to his upstairs of his campaign headquarters and he and, and Catwoman are there and she Oh god that is oh, that is oh. the worst for me the worst I don't know if that is for you even even not even in counting the part which um where she almost eats a bird um <laughs> I am 46 oh. years old and I am still too young to see the penguin and Catwoman on that bed uh the dialogue <laughs> in that scene makes me deeply <laughs> uncomfortable and again this is something that was used to sell action figures to children see I I don't think Tim Burton likes grotesque grotesques. He likes beautiful grotesques. Tony, that that is that the scene that includes the line that's just the pussy I was looking for? Yes, it was. I thought uh, so. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. not a good yes. scene. Nor is there other scene where he puts the moves on her and she refuses and he tries mm. to make her fly into the sky on a on a like a parasol helicopter thing. Mm. Also not a good yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Nope. 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 <gasps> I bet you there are some other not a good scenes. Yeah, there are a saying. few. Jason, 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 I know your movie's almost done, and you have a Batmobile, and I even saw you made a new version that it splits into pieces. That's great. We'll sell a new toy. Can Uh you get one more new toy out of this movie so we can, for the kids and for my bank account? How about a bat boat? Just put it in. Just put the bat boat in. The bat boat. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no. The bat ski boat. The rocket skimmer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm good. Okay. All right. (laughs) How about this penguin that shoots shoots a missile off of its back? I had the action figure of that as a kid. <laughs> I, I did too. I, well, I wasn't a kid, but I, I had that as well. It came in a pack with two penguins. One of the penguins is holding his yep. flippers out in a way that I don't know if penguins really do. The other penguin is just standing there. They're not really action I, figures. They're just. I like seeing that 40 seconds of Paul Rubens. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beginning, <laughs> the penguin penguin parents. Paul Rubens is, is the penguin's dad. In the in that so see, it's, born it's just like Pee Wee's Baroque Big Adventure scene. Yeah, well, they're both they're both <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The mom and the dad are both in Pee Wee's mm-hmm. Big Adventure. Yeah, Diana Salinger. Yeah, yeah. it's a reunion. Oh, but side side note: uh, uh, Penguin in the graveyard, kneeling before his parents' grave, bumping into the wobbly styrofoam grave next to him. <laughs> Just, just say. Well, you know. Well, Danny DeVito had to deal with a lot of prosthetics with that costume. I was their number one son, and they treated me like number two. Zing! Somebody got paid oh, to write that line. Somebody got paid to write that line. I don't think they should have brought up Vicky Vale in this movie. No, no. Just pretend she didn't exist. Then I won't be sitting there going, "Hey, what happened to her?" Yeah. Instead, it's you really sad. Like it's like, "Hey, yeah, remember that that we were starting a good relationship there?" No, she couldn't take me being Batman. It's like, no, really, because I thought you talked that through in the previous movie. Yeah, that 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 made me kind of mad. 
but really it's low on my list of grievances. So (laughs) (laughs) sitting down watching it tonight after not having seen it for so long. And it's like right away, it was just like everything was dialed to 15, not just 11, but 15. Uh, Gotham City was grimmer and uglier. Um, All of the grotesqueries of, you know, whether it's the villains or whatever, it just everything was just pushed up into this level that had me cringing for most of this movie. It's well, like, good news. It, the next Batman movie is much dude. more colorful. Uh, yeah. Just what everybody oh. wants. <laughs> but I I oh. don't understand. I don't understand <laughs> why this movie, uh, why I liked it so much in my memory. I, I, I that's Michelle the, Pfeiffer. That's the, well, well, yeah. And Michael Keaton. Um, <laughs> but, um, Barely. But no, the, the, the thing I love about uh, the original Batman movie is that it is weird. And I just assumed that uh, Batman Returns was in that same vein with a cooler Batman suit and um, <laughs> some other stuff. And, and yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, but yeah, mem- this is this is one of those movies that I really shouldn't have watched again. I should have just <laughs> convinced myself that I enjoyed it. Apologies to Glenn Weldon. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Michael Keaton, I, I'm going to say uh, Michael Keaton deserved better, that I, I really yes. liked his he performance. He still got paid. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I know. I, I liked his performance in Batman, and actually, I like what little we see of him as Bruce Wayne in Batman Returns, that stuff with Michelle Pfeiffer. Once he got kicked in the head hard enough and woken up. Yeah. yeah. I like that boardroom scene between him and Christopher Walken. I like yeah. that Yeah, that's, that's excellent. They keep cutting to him in the Batcave, and he's like... Hmm, yes, penguin, I see. I know, right? Parents, yes. And then that's it. Like, why Why is he even here? It's like, oh, yeah, we should probably show him before they forget what they're yeah, watching. I'm still in this movie, people. <laughs> Don't forget, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging out with Robert Wool now. I'm just glad that Joel Schumacher was able to come in and restore dignity to the franchise. <laughs> mm. <laughs> The thesis of Mr. Weldon's book is that bat- the history of Batman is full of wild overreactions to the previous <laughs> Interesting. Movie. Yes. Well, we, we will, we will uh, pick up in a future episode. We are going to watch the two, two Joel Schumacher Batman movies, and then what? we will- What do you mean, we, Jason? And then, and then, and then, <laughs> yeah, I didn't sign up for that. We, and uh, then, then uh, I'll watch we'll, have the, we'll have the Nolan movies after that. But, uh, but, but for Sorry, now, man. I would have to say that we have discharged our duties- and I, I am sorry to have made everybody watch <laughs> Batman Returns because Tony, is this in the is this like banned from the Church of Batman or does the Church of Batman recognize the existence of Batman Returns? You know, do whatever you want, people. <laughs> so, wow. what, what, the, where Church is of Batman, Batman Returns in the Batman University curriculum, Tony? That's what I want. Uh, so far, the Batman <laughs> University curriculum is mainly focused on the Batman animated series, uh, and we're, that's that's where. That's that's the foundation of love and respect okay. for Batman. Is that um, good? Right. That's so that's the, why it has such high approval ratings. Go Batman University. Mm-hmm. So the nineteen eighty nine Batman is kind of grandfathered in as like a predecessor of the Batman. Yeah, you like. and I I mean there are there are elements of this that show up in Batman the animated series. Like there is an episode uh, called the Mechanic about uh, the Penguin uh, sabotaging uh, the Batmobile, which makes way more sense than the plot point in this uh, one. So they <laughs> mm-hmm. they do borrow things from it. Uh, but yeah, uh, the 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 
best thing about this movie uh, are the things that get st- stolen for the animated series, and they leave 85% of the rotting husk behind. So, yeah. <laughs> Stripped it for parts. Yep. I, I would rather had this movie been Christopher Walken as Max Shrek doing evil things that have to be countered by Bruce Wayne and Batman. That would have been a way better mm-hmm. movie. I would rather this movie were Christopher Walken as Max Shrek in Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fine. Whatever. Christopher Walken. That's fine. It's Christopher Walken does lots of weird stuff while uh, Bruce Wayne and, and uh, Selena Kyle go out on a date. That, Do you that'd think be a great Tim movie. Burton was just like really angry that he hadn't didn't have the idea to use the circus gang in the Joker movie, and so he's like, I I don't know, they're here. Oh, yeah. Because it was like, why why are you guys in this movie? <laughs> so no, no. Well, because Robin was originally going to be mm, in this movie. Okay, yeah. it's a mess. I like I like at the end when there's going to be the big fight and they all just leave, and I was like, it's like conservation <laughs> yeah. of bad guys because in the big fight with the Joker, they're all the bad guys that showed up from nowhere. Oh. So it's like it, it's evening out. They're 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 henchmen that didn't make any sense to be there in that movie, and the henchmen that do make sense to be here just disappear in this one. I'm okay with it. Conservation. Batman does nothing but get shot. They blew up the they blew up and- the zoo too at the end of this one. Mm-hmm. They blew up the zoo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Ed Wood was right after this movie. I wonder if Tim Burton was thinking, I need to remind myself that it's important to love movie making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's a good movie. I like that movie. I I, I feel for Tim yeah, Burton. It's his best although movie. I complain about Tim Burton because I don't like his I don't really like his work. But I will say I can't imagine that this was a particularly fulfilling film for him. I'm sure it was more fulfilling than the first Batman. It feels more like stuff that's up his alley but still i'm not sure this is the kind of thing that is really his bag so Mm. no the movie before this between the batman movies was edward scissorhands which is pure tim burton see there you go then he went to the paycheck and then yeah and then he went and made ed wood right so that's what you do you take the paycheck and then you go make a a passion project instead hey look on the bright side you got to see uh danny devito just go into town on a raw fish so that's that's an experience you could never often see. <laughs> I saw the fifth season of Taxi. I've seen yeah. that. I, I want to say, although I did not enjoy Danny DeVito's performance, I appreciate how hard he went for it. Like, I, I do too. You know, yeah. He was yes. not worried about me liking that. it at all, and good for him for I that. Was, yeah, I was okay with it. I mean, I forgot that it was Danny DeVito a lot, which which says something for Danny yeah. DeVito. Who yeah, is, you, me too. You know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to give him a lot of credit for that. He is disgusting and awful and vile in this movie. He's got um, weird prosthetics and he's actually yeah. acting. And yeah. yeah, and it's not just like being Danny DeVito. He's not. Yeah. Bites a guy's nose. What more do you want? <laughs> well, oh. that guy should have seen that coming. How do you? <laughs> yeah, know? really. I like how long they left it. Yeah. He says that, you know, well, it could be worse. At least my nose isn't gushing blood. <laughs> and there's a long pause. And the guy's like, that was yeah. weird. I wonder what he meant by that. I'm going to ask him what he meant. Oh, God, my nose. <laughs> That's right. Buy some toys, kids. <laughs> this is a movie where a guy bites off another guy's nose. Buy some toys. Oh, God. Uh, 1992. <laughs> uh, never come back. <laughs> no, never. All right. We're going to wrap it up. That, that Thus ends this edition of our uh, check-ins with Batman that are affiliated. It's like extension course for Batman University. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests for being here and watching some Batman movies with me. Uh, Monty Ashley, thank you for being here. I'm still Batman. Okay. Chip Sutterth. I'm grateful that Halle Berry was able to restore uh, Dignity <laughs> to the Catwoman franchise. <laughs> <laughs> David Lore. 
I'm uh, I'm going to go off and reboot the Hudson Hawk cinematic universe right now. Okay, you can Bruce do that. Bruce Willis is on the phone already. Shannon Sutter, thank you. Knowing that I never have to watch Batman Returns again, I feel ever so much yummier. <laughs> and Tony Sindelar, I think you were the king of the wicker people. Goodbye, nerds. <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for listening to The Incomparable. I've been your host, Jason Snell. But really, I'm Batman. <laughs>